Welcome to Divine Truth. Today's Bible lesson is about disappointments and discouragement. Disappointments and discouragements. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Psalm, chapter 17, 147, verse 3. Psalm, chapter 147, verse 3. The Bible says, He healeth the broken in heart, and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord, and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Imagine, he can call every name by every star by their name. If he has a memory like that, do you think he can know and remember your disappointment? Do you think if he is infinite in his understanding, can he not help you with your disappointment? How big, how big is infinite? It does not matter what you are going through, he understands. Let us look at two thoughts to this. First, a broken heart is a serious physical ill. Second, a great mercy. He heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. Man is composed of body and soul and both can be wounded. God has a, provided a means whereby wounds may be healed and injuries repaired. If we were as sensitive to our soul injuries as our body injuries, we would be better off. If we would cry out to the great physician with our soul injuries, we would be better off. I want to give you an example. Why? Because I'm just like you. A mortal human who sometimes falls short. The Bible said we've all fallen short of the glory of God. You know, a thought entered my mind to hold a grudge because of something someone else had done to me. I hope none of you have to ever experience that. I knew a man that I completely respected and became close friends with. He was intelligent in the Bible and still is. I had confidence in him. One day he did something to me I would never dream about doing to him. He lied about me and then spiritually stabbed me in the back. The thought entered my natural mind to, for revenge, but my spiritual mind knew better. So I repented in my heart. I still love him as a brother in Christ and I forgive him, but I will not socialize with him anymore because I cannot trust him. When you lose respect and trust in someone else, it does not just jump back in your lap. Now, look at what that verse says. God can heal the broken heart. I will have shortcomings every now and then because I still have this Adam nature. But God can heal the broken heart. I would prefer never to experience the example I gave you, but these things do happen. Now, I still to this day don't understand why he did what he did this side of glory, but one day I might. We have to put it in God's hands. The only way I can figure he did what he did was that he also is capable of falling short. But it is a mystery to me if someone knows the Word of God, how they can do that to a brother in Christ. Sometimes I wonder if God does not test our own faith. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11. 
Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. <coughs> Excuse me. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Did you know the Lord wants us as his children to know that his thoughts toward us are settled and definite? And that they are thoughts of peace and not of evil. And there is an expected end. I think a child of God. I think of a child walking beside a large steam locomotive holding his father's hand. He sees the large wheels, the steam blowing, the gears turning. He don't understand the working of the engine, but he knows his father is taking him on a journey. The boy is trying to figure out what all this means by his own thoughts. But he trusts his father, and he has peace that he knows his father is in control because his father knows the expected end of this journey. In other words, he trusts his father. It is the same way with the Lord's children. We might not always understand the workings of life, but the, in other words, the big engine, but we know the father has an expected end for us. And he knows what is best for us. The father is holding the child's hand. The father's thoughts are constantly toward the child. He is going to forget. He is not going to forget his child. Now I'm reminded of a song. You'll remember these words. Put your hand in the hand of the man who stilled the water. Put your hand in the hand of the man who calmed the sea. Take a look at yourself and you can look at others differently. Put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. My mama taught me how to pray before I reached the age of seven. When I'm down on my knees, then that's when I'm closest to heaven. Daddy lived his life, two kids and a wife. Well, you know what you must do. But he showed me enough of what it takes to get me through. Oh, yeah. Put your hand in the hand of the man who stilled the water. Put your hand in the hand of the man who calmed the sea. Take a look at yourself, and you can look at others differently. Put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. Famous song. The Lord's mind is infinitely made up. He knows his thoughts, his purpose is settled. He is going to reward them that seek him and honor those that trust him. He keeps his promises to those that believe him. God knows all when you know nothing at all. Moses did not know how he was going to lead Israel out of bondage. He followed God by faith. God had the journey all mapped out in his mind ahead of time. God has no evil thoughts toward his children. He has no desire to grieve us, but only to love us and save us. If the road is rough, you might not slip, but if it is smooth, you can. The next time the devil comes to you with a dark insinuation, tell him that the Lord's are not of evil. Drive him away with that. Not of evil, not of evil. That will drive Satan away. He gave his son to die for us. Uh, cannot think anything but good towards us. At times, as a child of God, you may be chastened. 
that for the present is not a time of joy. But the Bible says, Afterward it yieldeth a peaceable fruit of righteousness in them which are exercised thereby, whereby gladly endure it. God's thoughts are toward you, for he is refining you. Believe also that his thoughts are peaceable and that he desires your highest good. Hopefully his spirit will help you realize that the thoughts of the Lord are peace. There is an expected end toward us for our good. Most of our earnest prayers that ever rise to heaven from us when we are in, uh, from us when we are in bondage and grief, we must thank God. His ways have produced in us a prayerful spirit and a full conviction that we do not pray in vain. If we be taken home by death before the rapture, we should feel no alarm in looking forward to that expected end. We are headed toward the wedding, not a tomb. We will have dying grace. Our Lord does not uh, pluck his fruit unwisely. What will the first five minutes be like in heaven? What will the first 1,000 years be like? What will the first million years be like? In due time, the resurrection day will dawn when we realize the body is full glory, is in full glory, perfected even as our Lord's. That is our expected end. I was thinking about our times of trouble, grief, afflictions, heartaches. We learn during these times. We grow closer to God during those times. Paul said to count them as light afflictions compared to as what is on the other side. The Lord had been preparing a place for us a long time. To him, a thousand years are as one day. Look what he did in seven days. Look forward to our expected end because then we have a new beginning. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in weakness, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Paul, too, pleasured in all his infirmities because he knew by faith what lay ahead, his expected end. No matter what you have been through, no matter what you are going through now, no matter what you will go through in your future, it is all for God's glory. And it will make you appreciate the glorified body even more. Although you may have already been through many trials and troubles, look what Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. In other words, we will have a new strength. 
one that will never tire or grow weak for all eternity. Imagine that. If people would ever really consider what lays in our future with our glorified bodies for all eternity, we would never complain about anything. Think about this. Man is a cobbler. When he wants a thing better, he goes about to improve it. He improves cattle by careful breeding, cars and planes by streamlining, health and diet, and vitamins and surgery, plans, plants by grafting, people by education. But God will have none of this cobbling. He makes a man better by making him a new man. He makes a higher order of life by restoring, by trying to destroy the old life. God did not cause this state of decay that we are currently in. Our sin did. Adam and Eve brought it all on all mankind. God designed us to live forever in perfect conditions. We changed that by disobedience. I've said this a hundred times and I'll say it again. No need in studying your Bible unless obedience has taken place. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was made for obedience in the beginning. And an ongoing popular theory today is it is just another book written in ancient times around a campfire by some old white-bearded men. No, no, no. It was actually written by the Holy Spirit-inspired men over a 1,600-year period by 40 different authors. 95% of all of his prophecies have come true, of which no other book or religion could claim. It is the inerrant, infallible, inspired, preserved Word of God, and I'm talking about the authorized King James Bible. I have multiple proofs of that through the Word itself, and no other book can do that. The only thing missing is the majority of people with the majority of people is belief. They do not wish to believe it because if they did, they would have to change their lifestyle by obedience. You know, the blood is enough. You know, you can have perfect church attendance. You can be in the choir. You can be the perfect neighbor. But that's not good enough to take you to heaven. It's not about what we've done, or, uh, but Christ has already done it. Did you know God loves you and has a plan for you? But here's the problem. People are sinful and separated from God. I want to ask you something. Have you recognized today that you are a sinner? God sent his son to die for our sins. Would you like to receive God's forgiveness? We can't earn salvation. We are saved by God's grace when we have faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. All you have to do is believe that you are a sinner, that Christ died for your sins, and then ask forgiveness. Then turn from your sins. That is called repentance. Jesus Christ knows you and loves you. What matters to him is the attitude of your heart and your honesty. We suggest praying the following prayer to accept Christ as your Savior. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your Son. I believe that he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. 
I want to trust him as my Savior and follow him as Lord from this day forward. Guide my life and help me to do your will. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to ask you something. Did you did you pray this prayer? If so, then you are saved or what the Bible calls born again and you can have an eternity in heaven. I hope you enjoyed this lesson. Dr. Buddy, signing off.